Matthew 16, 18, uh, it says this. It says, and I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, will not or shall not prevail against it. Notice this again. I'm going to read it one more time just in case you didn't find it on your phone or whatever. He said, and I also say to you that you are Peter. What had happened was Peter in his life was kind of wishy-washy. And his name really got changed from, you know, Simon to Peter, which means a rock, a little rock. And he said, he said, you're Peter, and on this rock, and that means Petros, or a big rock, it literally meant the truth he was about to explain. He said, on this I will build my church, and the gates of hell, or Hades, will not prevail against it. Three things we're going to look at. I will build my church. The phrase, he will build. The phrase, my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Those are three different thoughts we're going to look at. My church. Here's the thing we need to understand. What is his church? The church is not a building. The church is the people of or in the building. That's a relative of mine visiting from out of town. That's Shane. And... um, we don't do this every week, but occasionally we do this. No. And um, he said, I will build my church. So it's my church, and that's what we need to understand. What is it that we're attending? Is it David's church? Is it Fred's church? When you serve in the church, are you serving me? It's an interesting thought because sometimes church has been so put into a place where it's man's object, it's man's opportunity, it's, it's all about man. Man has a part to play, but we need to remember that Paul said this in Corinthians. When people got the idea that they were connected to a man, you know, in 1 Corinthians 3, he said, some say, I'm of Apollos. Some say, I'm of Paul. And he said, who are we? And then he talked about Christ. Now, I understand this. God has appointed people to oversee or be pastors in churches. And God directs people to churches. But one thing we need to remember is he calls it my church. My church. Now, I'm responsible in some degrees what happens. A literal Bible term, overseer, means one who manages and looks over. But I don't do it apart from the Lord, or I shouldn't. We should be prayerful. We should have understanding in Scripture. How is the Lord going to build the church? Somebody said, I'm so glad we read that because I thought you were going to ask me to do something. Well, the question is, how does the Lord build the church? What does the Bible actually say about it? And then he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Now, there is no mention of a man there other than the Lord. 
But we know from reading Scripture, man has a vital part in the church. Activities that occur in the church, man has a vital part to play in them. And so we need to look at what in the world is the church. If the Lord's going to build it, what is he building? I know this, when I first gave my life to the Lord, my opinion of the church was a building. So when I got, went to church and I'd be hanging out with friends who gave their life to the Lord, and then you would hear this. You know, you'd hear people talking and they'd say, don't say that. We're at church. Which totally makes it acceptable then to cuss when you're not at church. Because you're not at church. And the church, you know, and people say, well, if I go to church, the walls will fall in on me. And so people think that the building is the more sacred thing and that that's what the Lord is building. It used to be people, you know, uh, wouldn't go to a church that was in a storefront because they say, well, you know, it's just not like a church. So... You know, I want to go to a building that's more like a church. You know, like where I grew up with stained glass windows, you know, and a big cross on the front and everything like that. And so you can tell different people have different ideas of what the church is. The church is never mentioned in the Old Testament, only in the New Testament. And what's so fascinating is, is what is the church? Where does the church meet? If you read the Bible and just will be a student of the Bible, you'll find that the early church actually met in the Jewish synagogues, which actually was not what we would call, I mean, a church. They were meeting in a place, in a building where other people met that totally believed opposite of what they believed in. It's an interesting thought. Because some people would freak out, you know, if, if all of a sudden we decided, hey, well, we'll, we'll go to a Mormon church and meet in their building because they said we could in the afternoon. Uh, we're not going to do that, by the way. So, so don't go. But if you did, they don't believe exactly like us. Not close. But they met in the Jewish synagogue, and what's wild is, those people that were in the synagogue and of the synagogue actually persecuted the early church. What is the church? An interesting thought. Because if you think of building the church, the first thing people do is think, let's get hammers, let's get nails, let's build something. But the reason you have a building is because of what's in the building. Turn to 1 Corinthians 12. We'll look at a couple of things here about this church that he's building. What is the church he's building? It's an interesting thought when you recognize the church, the word ecclesia literally means called out ones, doesn't mean buildings. When the Lord comes back for his church, because at his second coming, he'll come back, the Bible said. So we don't know when that is. But somebody is going to be alive when it happens, whether people believe in it or not. And we know from the Bible, some people aren't. But when he comes back and catches his church away, does that mean we're all going to be sitting here and then 
you know, when you're little, now I'm not suggesting do this, but you know how you pull the chair out from somebody, you know, and they fall on the ground and you get a good laugh out of it? Well, it's not like he's going to take the church and all of a sudden we're all going to fall on the ground because he took the chair. He's like, look at that. I got them. The church is not the building. What will remain are the chairs and the walls. It's the people that make up the church. The church is actually in the Bible called the body of Christ. And so 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 27, notice this. There's, I mean, you can read the whole context, and it's talking about this. Now, you are the body of Christ and members individually. You are the body of Christ and members individually. You're not a member of the body of Christ because you went through membership in a church. You have to be born into the family. You have to get born again, like the Bible said. Notice this in Colossians 1. We'll look at a few verses here. Colossians, the first chapter. Because remember what we're looking at. My church, what is his church? The church is actually his body. And what is the body? It is individuals who have surrendered their life to Jesus. Notice this in Colossians, the first chapter and the 18th verse. Notice this. He said, and he is the head of the body. Now, he adds to that statement, you are the body of Christ. Now, he said, notice this. He said, and he is the head of the body. You are the body of Christ. We read that, right? And he's the head of the body. But notice what he said next. He said, and he is the head of the body, the church. What is the church? The church is is people. Because if you don't get this fundamental thing right, it'll short-circuit things. You know, if you ever work with electricity and you have just, you know, or on a car and you have a short somewhere, it can make other things go out. I was at a minister's conference this week, and uh, I was in my room, and all of a sudden the power went out. And my first thought was, well, I've got a window. And I thought, well, thankfully, I'm not in the elevator. Then I thought, I wonder if people are in the elevator. And they were in the elevator. And they were stuck for a while. And they came to find out that this whole grid section of the city went out. You know how it went out? A little squirrel got into one of the transformers. And it didn't just affect that. It affected other areas. If you think that this church building is the church, you'll get short-circuited. And it won't just affect the transformer, it'll affect other buildings or other parts of your belief. Meaning like this, God lives in the church, and so if people think the church is the building, then we've got to come to church to experience and walk with God. Because the Bible said he lives in the church. But if you think that's it, then, then that's why people say, well, when you come through the door, man, you got to act right. Because you're at the church. But what if 
the Bible is true and you are the church, then it doesn't matter where you're at. You're his body, which he is the head of, which is the church. See, because if we identify this building as the only thing, then what happens is when we leave here, we leave God. Then you're on your own. And then people say stuff like this, the Lord be with you. The Lord be with you. Well, if they're lost, you know, you want the Lord with them. But if you're saved, he said, I'll never leave you until you leave the church because then I only hang out there at the church. But you are the church, so he leaves with you. That's why he said, lo, I'm with you always when you feel good, when you feel bad. And here's the other side of it. He's not just with you. Because some people think that, well, he's with us. No, when you get saved, one of the great truths of the Bible is God lives in the believer. God lives way down inside of you. You ever gone to say something or do something and something down on the inside after you gave your life to the Lord went, and you just went, I need to say this to them because they deserve it. And you're like, uh-uh. Something way down in you, but something way up here said, oh, you, you need to say this. And you said it. Then after you went, oh, something was just not right inside. We've talked about this stuff about being led by God and following your conscience and the part of you that's made brand new in the Lord. You need to learn to follow that. Like one man said, the best preacher you'll ever hear is your own conscience once you're saved. Because something in you will let you know. The problem is, you have a head. But the fact of the matter is, the Old Testament temple, though there's been much teaching on it, the Bible calls it a type and a shadow. What's a shadow? You know, it's this. You know? It's not this, it's what's up here. The Old Testament was called types and shadows. The Old Testament showed a temple. The temple was where they would go to see God and meet God. What's happened is we've taken that into the New Testament. Now, we should gather together. The Bible's plain on that. The Bible said those are types and shadows, and the image is in the New Testament. What image is in the New Testament? God used to dwell in there. Now, several verses say, I'll live in you, and you are now my temple. You're my body. I'm the head. And because you're the body, you're the church. What is the Lord going to build? I guess we didn't get that far. The church. <laughs> so what's he going to build? People. His goal is to build people people. What would a built person look like? You never gone camping before? And you built a tent? And you may not be mechanically inclined, so to speak, or you may feel superior to the instructions. You know, I've got this. And it looks good. And the first wind that comes, it all goes. <laughs> it looked good on the outside, but it wasn't built properly by the structure. 
So God is in the business of building the church numerically. We can see that. But he's also in the business of building the church internally. Building people so they become strong. So when the first wind of adversity comes, they don't collapse. And if we know the Bible, and if we are right that we are living in the last days, whether it's the last 100 years, last 50 years, 20 years, 200 years, we're getting closer to the end. We know that adverse times are coming, but we don't have to collapse. What would keep us from collapsing? Internal growth, development, structure. Jesus said, I will build my church. So you could say it this way, he will build me. He will build me because I'm part of the church. He will build you if you're saved and part of the church. And if you're saved, you are. So his goal is to build you up so you're not moved. So you're steady. So you're not just driven by everything that comes and goes. And when everybody gets mad, I get mad too. And when everybody goes and parties, I go party. And when everybody yields to sin, I yield to sin. But how would you overcome that even if you're a Christian and struggling? Get everybody to pray for you. Well, I'm not knocking that because prayer is in the Bible. But you got to grow up. you got to get built up. And the Lord will personally be involved in And we're going to look at this, and maybe we'll go more than two weeks on this. But there are some interesting things that the Lord has done. There are true and false ministers. The Bible's clear on that. Matter of fact, the seven letters in the book of Revelation that were written to the churches, Jesus commended certain ones for recognizing who was a true minister and who was a false one. Actually, the Lord has put ministry gifts in the church to edify, is how it says in the Bible, which means to build his church. So men are directly involved in the building of the church, but understand this, internal growth is important to an individual. And what it is that builds you is the Word of God. Matter of fact, it's mentioned as meat in the Bible, it's mentioned as milk in the Bible, it's mentioned as bread in the Bible, and it's mentioned as water in the Bible, and it's mentioned as solid food. Well, if people haven't been eating right, they're going to be weak. And they may have a desire to be strong, so they may pray, but if you don't eat proper, you won't get strong, no matter what. You with me? So proper diet is important. So notice this in Colossians. Remember, we were here, 118. He said this. He said, and he is the head of the body. We're the body. He's the head. The church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence or literally the rulership. He is the ruler. Just go back a couple of books toward the Old Testament there, Ephesians, the first chapter in the 23rd verse. Ephesians 1.23 said this, 
talking about Jesus, his work, and what he's done, it's interesting what he calls the church here. He said, verse 22, we'll actually read, you can back up a number of verses, read it in his context, and he said, and he put all things under his feet. We don't use terms like that today, put it under our feet. Today, we would say, he whipped it, he beat it, he made it subservient to him, he, he crushed it. And he rules over it. So it says, and he put all things under his feet, and you have to read what he put under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. He's the head of the church. Notice the next verse, 23, which is his body. We're the body, and we're the church. And he's the head of the church. He said, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That is a profound statement. We're the church. He fills us. And when we live filled, we're actually, the Bible calls us the fragrance of God in the earth. Some believers smell different than others. That's all I'll say about that. But we can all put off the right fragrance. Amen? That's his goal. Hey, one of the great things about the Old Testament, when Moses said, hey, I'll take your people out of Egypt, but we have to be different than everybody. And he said, so, and this is what I find interesting. Moses is called of God to bring the people out, and he's negotiating with them in Exodus 33. And he said to him. He said, we're not going to go up unless your presence abides with us. Because he said, what will make us different than everybody else? And the Lord said, I'll do that. But now in the New Testament, it's not just his presence with us, it's him living in us. We're different than them in the sense we're his body, we're the church, you're the church. So when we go to church, that's where the church meets. But like I said, you know, like that little chipmunk, that poor guy, this poor squirrel, they didn't probably even have a funeral for him. They probably just pulled him out of there. But he short-circuited things because some wires and some things got contacted that shouldn't have been. And here's the thing. If we begin to recognize I'm the body of Christ and he'll never leave me, I don't have to look far to find him. I tell people this all the time. When people say, oh, you know, the Lord's here. I said, yeah, he's here. And when, he, when, when I leave, he's leaving too. He said, he is? Yeah, but if you're a Christian, he leaves with you too. He leaves in you. When you show up, he shows up with you. Everywhere you go, he's with you and in you. That's important to know because... Otherwise, what we do is we, we start singing a song and you start to sense God's presence and you say, the Lord is here now. The Lord's here now. And he's not here now. He was here when you came. And he's going to be in your home tonight when you're there, regardless of what you're doing. He'll be with you at school. He'll be with you at work. And is he static? You know, just doing nothing. No, even that scripture we kind of roughly 
went through in Luke 5, there needs to be cooperation. Do you know there are things you can do to cultivate the Lord's presence in your life? But that's a different subject because we're talking about him building his church. Notice that phrase, his church, and turn to Colossians, since we all know where Colossians is now, the third chapter. So if it's his church, it's not my church, though he put me over this one, and somebody may say, well, I don't believe this is a God-ordained thing. It don't matter. When the whole thing is said and done, we'll all know what it was. But we can know what it is. And so here in Colossians 3, verse 23 and 24, it says this in verse 23, And whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do. Now think about this. The Lord is building His church. It's His church that He's building. And here He said, whatever you do, Do it heartily as unto the pastor. Right? Do it under the vision that's set forth. Right? No, didn't say that either. Do it because you feel like it. Whatever you do, do it heartily, which really you could say have your will in it, as to the... As to the leadership of that area of ministry that you're working no whatever you do even at work even at home do it heartily as unto the lord well why would we do that in the church because it is his church so he said do it as unto the lord and not unto man doesn't it say that? Notice, and whatever you do, do it heartily as, as, as unto the Lord and not men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Isn't it subtle how we can start serving people and doing stuff unto people? And think, well, I'm building this for me. I'm doing this for him. I'm doing this for them. Listen, if you do it unto them, I might be able to pat you on the back and say, good job. But you may not get much reward from me. I don't have an eternal reward for you. It's his church that he's building and we're to do it unto him. Whatever we do, when we pray, we should do it as unto him. Well, Lord, right now, I just know you, that all these people are watching me, but I'm not going to say that out loud. So, oh, glory to God. You're so, whoa. And people make all kinds of words. Who are you doing it unto? And then the next person's like, oh, whoa, he used some big words omnipotent father the next guy's like i gotta top that who are you doing it unto <laughs> you with me who are you praying unto 
who are you talking unto? If you're doing it unto the Lord, then don't worry about people. What about praise and worship? What are you doing it unto? And what are you doing it unto for? I learned this years ago when I gave my life to the Lord. I was younger, because even yesterday, I was younger. And so, this was a number of years ago, I gave my life to the Lord, and my whole world just got rocked. I mean, it just changed. You know, my friends, my friends weren't wanting to hang out with me anymore, but there was something in me. God had come to live in me. And so, I'd be at home at night, and before I'd go to bed, I would start praising the Lord, because I was thankful that I was his, and I was living this life unto him. So at night, nobody would be around. Nobody taught me to do this. And I didn't know much. I was saved, which is the same as being born again. You know, I think this is a lot like when people start dating when they get older, you know. Anybody remember when you first went on a date? If you didn't know the person, you sit there. Hi. You know, or just even having relationships with people. And I know walking with the Lord, I didn't know much. It was brand new to me, so it wasn't like I had a big vocabulary. So I remember I'd lay in bed and say, thank you, Lord. It was easier to lift my hands in bed than in church at first. <laughs> I'd say, thank you, Lord, I'm born again. Thank you, Lord, I'm saved. I didn't know there were a bunch of scriptures that God uh, inhabits or manifests his presence where people praise him. But remember this verse, whatever you do, do it heartily unto him. So if your words are not many, but it's from the heart to him, it makes a big difference. So I learned this right away. I would say, thank you, Lord, I'm born again. Thank you, Lord, I'm born again. I'm saved. I'm not bound by sin anymore. I'm your child. I mean, I, I kind of moved around that area. And I'd do it for five or ten minutes, and all of a sudden the presence of God would start moving on my life. I'd go, whoa, this is awesome. But what happened was I would stop doing it as unto the Lord. Anybody could do this. See, that's the problem with people is they think the preacher is somebody. No, the preacher has a gift. He's just like you. He's part of the body of Christ. So what I'd do is I'd start thanking the Lord, and I'm not kidding you. I would start sensing his presence and his peace and his power, and I didn't know this was available. Nobody ever told me this. You know, I'm starting to read through the Bible, and uh, I'm reading the Bible and putting things into practice, but this was coming out of my heart. Later on, I found out, so I just did this on my own. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. After about 10 minutes, all of a sudden, I'd start sensing God's presence. And then all of a sudden, it would just start diminishing and diminishing and diminishing. And I was like, oh, 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 oh. And I used to think, if people knew about this, nobody would do drugs. Nobody would do this because this is fulfilling and you don't wake up messed up. And uh, I literally thought, oh, it's going away. I'm like clawing at it. And I learned on my own time that what was happening was I'd start praising him. Then I'd start recognizing it then I'd start turning toward the experience going, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And I was no longer doing it unto the Lord. And I learned 
that if I just keep my focus there, and it's hard when you start sensing this, thinking, oh, my. But I say it like this. You know, back when I grew up in California, we didn't have all the smog rules, and we had smog. But you could go down the street. I don't know, depending on how old you are. You know, I'm like 25 and a few. But there were cars that would drive down the street, and there was no, like, smog stuff and everything. And, and I don't know if you remember this. And they'd just be blowing smoke, you know, going down the road. And occasionally you see different cars and just going down the road. And if you want to follow the car, you don't follow the smoke. You follow the car because if you get too far back, all of a sudden the car can turn and you're still in the smoke. And that's what I was doing. All of a sudden I'm following the smoke instead of doing it unto the Lord. And I remember thinking, you know, how, have you ever told people, now don't look at that? And then they're like got their hands and they're like peeking. I was sensing God doing something in my life. And, and so I recognized I got to do this unto him. So I'm like, thank you. Thank, oh, there it is. And I learned to make that secondary in him first. And then it just grew and grew and grew. And I thought, and occasionally I'd be like, oh, and I go, okay, wait a minute. I got to keep my attention. What's so cool is this is not age appropriate. Like, well, you got to be 13. You got to be 21 to do this. Well, once you get real spiritual, you can do this. Now, you can do this when you're five years old. We should teach our kids that when they come in here, this is a time for them to focus on the Lord and sing to him. And then we should be examples of it. Why? Don't worry about everybody else. We're not fulfilled in other people's heads or what they think about us. If you live like that and live through other people's heads and what people think, you're going to be driven by everything but the Lord. What are my friends going to think? What is so-and-so going to think? Who cares? He's our Lord. Now, you understand I'm not talking about being mean, you know, and being rude to people. I believe we should be kind. That's a mark of love. But we should understand our approval in life should not be by people's opinions. You with me? Should not be by people's opinions. So if he's going to build his church, he's going to build you. He's going to make you strong. You say, I don't know about that. He will. He'll make you strong. There's commandments to be strong in the Lord and the Bible talking about him strengthening you. He can build you up. And it's interesting, there's a verse in the Bible and we'll look at this further. The Bible talks about the word of God being able to build you up so you can walk in your inheritance. And there's just something about being built up or getting strong that helps you to walk in the things of God. And so the Lord is directly connected to his church. He is building his church. So it's his church. So whatever we do in the church or in the church, you know, when it gathers, we're to do it as unto him. When you're listening, don't just listen because somebody told you to listen. Listen because the Lord said. What did the Lord say? He said, the same measure that you use in everything will be measured back to you again. In other words, what does that mean? 
to the degree that I give myself to hearing is to the degree I'll get something back from it. If I just kind of like whatever to that and just put a little measure, I'll get a little measure back. But the more I can commit myself to being dedicated to what is being said from the Word of God, it will be measured back to me the same way. That's interesting because then, you know, working in construction, you know, there's different sized tractors, but one thing that's interesting is they can change the, the basket on the front, the scoop on the front, and they do it. And they can change the scoop on the back of a backhoe. And if they want to build a little narrow trench, they just get a narrow, narrow one, but what does that narrow one do? When it goes out to dig, if it's narrow and smaller, it receives back narrower and smaller and so he said the same measure that you use it will be measured back to you again so in that interesting that he'll build his church but you have a significant role in how you will be built by him and i do too if i don't measure out a certain way i mean i can't think i'm going to get this and only measure out this way if I want a big return, then I have a part to play. And I know this flies in the face of people who think God just does what he does. But if God just does what he does, then why will he judge us when we're gone? And why will we give an account for our lives of what we did in our bodies? Because basically, we'll basically say, well, I'm a puppet. <laughs> and you just didn't pull that string in my life. And I would have raised my hand, but you didn't pull the string. I would have listened, but you didn't pull my ears. That would be a sight. <laughs> but the whole thing is people don't realize they have a significant role in their own development, even though it's the Lord building his church that is his body. It's his church. And there is much to say about all this. And... Uh, we barely got started, but we'll pick it up next week. God's going to build his church. It's his church. God's going to build it, and there are agents against the church. And they're not always demons that we don't see, but they can actually be people too. So we just need to partner on the right side in the building of the church and we don't need to be bothered about the gates of hell because they won't prevail. But there's some interesting things in here about individual giftings that every single believer has. Here's what's a sad thing, and we'll close with this. Don't want to leave you on a sad note. <laughs> we'll all cry when we leave. No. The fact of the matter is, and we'll touch on this, I believe, in detail, that every single person who is saved has some kind of divine deposit in them to do something. Some people are dissatisfied because there's something driving them further. But they're not all the same. That's why we don't try to do the same things in the church. Well, I like that. I want to do what he's doing. Well, if you don't have the gift, you can't do it. Or you shouldn't. Some people intrude into place they shouldn't, but everyone has a gifting. Everyone has an ability. 
and they're not just natural. They're supernatural deposits inside of people to do things by a divine ability. Some of it may look natural, but it can be heavily influenced by the Lord. And that being said, there is a way to get that stuff out and get it into play in an individual. You know, Paul said it this way, we all have this tre uh, treasure in earthen vessels. Going back to, it's in you when you get saved. Here's the thing, when you leave today, whether you like it or not, if you're saved, you're leaving with something in you. And it's not just something, it's something, somebody, somebody is very interested in your life, somebody is very interested in building you up, Somebody is very interested in where you end up in life and what you do in life. And his name is Jesus. And that's who we serve. You don't serve me. So if I don't pat you on the back, don't, he, didn't, he didn't say thank you. He didn't, see, didn't he see me take out the trash every week? Be careful. Because Jesus said it this way. He said, if you do things to be seen by men, and then they thank you for it, and they do all this stuff, he said, you will have received your reward. Wouldn't that be wild if we were living our Christian existence, not doing it as unto the Lord, but unto men? And we were looking for the recognition of men, and what they would say to us, and what they would do to us, we go to heaven, and when our works, like the Bible said in 1 Corinthians 3, are, are tried by fire, and he, he shot some heavenly lighter fluid in there and said, light it, and he went, threw the match in there, and it went, Poof. and he said, anything that remains, you'll receive a reward for, but anything that's burned, you don't. What if all of a sudden there was nothing left, and he said, now the foundation, which is Christ, will get you into heaven. That determines what you get when you're there. What if I was always looking for the accolades of men and he said, oh, you already got your reward. You got it on earth when everybody said, man, you're awesome. You're great. We just, oh. And now don't go when people say, hey, man, you did a good job. Don't say that. I'm wanting my rewards when I get to heaven. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about living for that. You out there? Living for it because people do. They live for those accolades from people because they're really not doing it as unto the Lord. And they're receiving their rewards right now, and it may lift them up, but I don't want to be lifted up just here. I want to be having all I can have when I get there. 